When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Hour number two of 6.30 Chad Inside Sports for this Tuesday underway. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight, Dave Campbell, and for Reed Wilkins for this entire week. Reed will be back on uh, the 21st of December, which is this coming Monday. Uh, so the story of the day uh, from the NHL is basically, uh, are they going to play in hub cities or not to start the season? Adrian Dater, who uh, writes for a uh, online hockey publication in uh, in Denver and a well-known writer for a long, long time, said that uh, his source is saying that hub cities will not be used. But Chris Johnston of Sportsnet and Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet still believe that hub cities are going to be considered heavily considered. In fact, Elliot going as far to say that the four hub cities that are being, or the five cities that are being considered are Vegas, Columbus, Newark, New Jersey, and either Toronto or Edmonton, who were the bubble cities for the Stanley cup playoffs. This uh, text comes in at four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three, seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three from Darcy. How do you think this delay will play out long-term in the future drafting with barely any minor hockey being played and players aging. I, I think it's uh, a concern, obviously, when you have your major junior leagues not playing. Uh, the Quebec League started. They had to shut down in late November. They hope, they're hope they hoping they can start in January. We don't know when the WHL is going to start. Ontario Hockey League is going to start, hopefully, in February. Of course, they have to uh, implement body checking again. Um, anyway, that's a, that's another topic for another time. Uh, but yeah, it's a concern. You know, you look at the CFL, uh, they have what 132 players opt out in U sports, which is a high number for the 2021 draft. So they're going to heavily look to the NCAA, uh, the nine teams. Now you would, you would, you would like to think that, uh, the NHL or sorry, that uh, you would think the NHL is going to look to the NCAA too, but I mean, you have 31 teams and you got to fill, uh, you know, you got to fill draft spots and you're not going to do it with NCAA players. So you run the risk that you're not going to have a lot of uh, data on some players. It's going to be kind of old data, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, before we bring in our next guest, uh, some CFL news today, uh, the CFL released their uh, list of, players eligible to opt back into their contracts. If you remember back in August, shortly after the CFL season was canceled, the CFL allowed a seven-day window for players currently in CFL contracts to opt out for NFL opportunities. You can opt back in. Uh, so two players uh, from the Edmonton football team are eligible to opt back in. That's linebacker Javon Santos-Knox, quarterback Troy Williams. And... Uh, if they do opt back in, they'll be uh, pending free agents for 2021. Free agency begins February 9th. I goofed earlier and thought they did opt back in, but they did not. They're eligible to opt back in. And uh, Santos Knox uh, hampered 
by an angry night in the uh, final game of the 2018 season, as you remember, as he was a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, just played three regular season games, two games in the playoffs. In those three regular season games, 13 defensive tackles, one quarterback sack, one special teams tackle. Williams played uh, a bit in two games during the 2019 season, uh, 15 passing yards, one interception, and 26 rushing yards. But we're getting a lot more signings today. The Alouettes are signing some players today. Mary Alford and uh, David Menard, Brand, uh, uh, Braden Schramm signed with the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They made some moves, and they really made some moves yesterday. Talk about that and just general CFL stuff is uh, the man I used to work with here at uh, 630. Jed, Jamie Nye from CJME Radio, host of the Green Zone in Regina. Jamie, how you doing? Very well, Dave. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing very well. Now, how many years did you do sidelines for us with, uh, with Halsey and myself? Oh my goodness! Uh, my two or three years. Was, it was my final season was '08. So whenever you started doing color uh, from the sidelines, that's when I took over on the sidelines. So yeah, so '06, '07, '08. So '08. So '06 was memorable because the long playoff streak of the team, the Edmonton football team, 34 years ended, and '07 was interesting. '08 they were not too bad. Um, now. Part of your role, I'm sorry if I'm bringing this up, and I don't mean to make light of it, but, you know, it's been a long time now. Uh, your, your role at halftime was to interview head coach Danny Machocha. Uh, oh, there, there, there was a distinct difference if the Eskimos were up. Sorry, I did it again, but that's what they were called back then. If the Edmonton football team were up at halftime or not. <laughs> it was uh, the tale of two men. And actually, it got to the point, Dave, if you remember – that I started getting players at halftime instead of Coach yes. Danny Machocha because he was so right. thrilled with doing that halftime interview uh, with yours truly. I remember one game Cameron Wake and the BC Lions were in, and Cameron Wake got three sacks in the first half. Like, he was dominant. And I asked what I thought was a fair question was, what kind of scheme can you bring an extra guy in to help block Cam Wake? And he just said, we just block better. That was his answer. We just need yeah. to block better. I'm like, <laughs> all righty then, Danny. Uh, but, yes, <laughs> uh, most coaches are a little short when their offensive line gives up three sacks to one guy in the first half. Yeah, uh, that's a, that a very good point. Well, we had a lot of fun back then. Um, is there a memorable, a memorable game from that era that you remember? Uh, your time oh. on the sidelines, it really Eagles sticks out. Gone. Steagle's gone. Steagle's gone. Milt Steagle. Gone was the call from Brian Hall uh, way back when the uh, Edmonton football team saw Kevin Glenn hit Milt Steagle with no time left for like a 105-yard touchdown at the end of the game against the Bombers. Uh, that one, I, st I actually have that clip saved. I play it from time to time on my show in Saskatchewan. Uh, from memorable <laughs> moments in the Canadian Football League of Milt Stiegel going the distance on the final play of the game as the two defensive backs ran into each other. Uh, and there, there, Yeah, this wasn't Greg Williams. This wasn't Greg Williams calling zero blitz on your, on your Las Vegas Raiders uh, with five seconds left. They, they actually, I think it was a five-man pressure from Rick Campbell, the defensive coordinator at the time. And KU Craver was the or was the defensive back on Stiegel and played it so terribly that if you remember, Malcolm Frank, who was, who was the corner at the time, 
he bailed off of his receiver to help K.O. Craver, and it just was a disaster. And then Milt Stiegel is gone down the sideline. You know, I remember that. It was a terrible game, too, Jamie. I, it was one of the worst games I've ever called in my, in my career. It was terrible. Well, it was uh, at the end of the game, the post-game interview, and I remember uh, asking for Ed Hervey, and this was before that play happened. And yeah. Ed Hervey, so the play happens, the game is over, and I think Molly Campbell was working for the team at the time, if I'm not mistaken, and they yeah, were looking right. for Ed Hervey to do the post-game interview. And they're all looking around, and they're looking around, and the players are almost all off the field, and I turn around, and I see Ed Hervey sitting on the bench with a towel over his head, and I looked at the PR department. They looked at me. We shrugged as Ed Hervey got off the bench and started walking <laughs> towards me. And they pointed. And he agreed to do the interview. And he was quite candid about how much of a gut punch that game was. And and I admired Ed Hervey for that moment of being able to do that interview after Milt Stiegel had just ripped their heart out on the final play of the game. Yeah, no question. Uh, that was uh, some some candor indeed. Uh, I remember closing my book before the because uh, I I write down every play so I can reference back to it. I've done it ever since I've I've been in the booth, and I closed my book, and I wasn't even looking at the play, and I heard as you as you mentioned, he's gone, Stiegel's gone. No, no, Stiegel's gone. And I looked up and I said, "Wow, that was unbelievable." So. Um, yeah, boy, geez, I I should have remembered that moment, but that's, you know, that was a tough, that, that was one of the greatest plays in CFL history and a play I want to block out all at the same time. That's just, that's just where I said, crazy. It was such a memorable As, uh, moment. Um, it, that was, it sure was. was. There, yeah. uh, so more news is being made uh, around the CFL. Uh, the Riders made a lot of noise yesterday as we're joined by Jamie and I, the host of the Green Zone from CJME Radio in Regina. Uh, the front office is secured. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did Jeremy O'Day, the GM, and, and the reigning coach of the year in the CFL, Craig Dickinson, was it a one-year extension or two? It was two years, so they signed an extension okay. through 2021, and now this is a two-year extension on top of that through 2023. So okay. they have, I guess, three more seasons now together, and it's been quite the dynamic duo of those two after Chris Jones departed, uh, much the same way as it seemed he departed the Edmonton football team, which was all of a sudden, boom, you got a new job and a new opportunity, of course, in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. But Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson picked it up. They got Cody Fajardo in, and now they didn't plan Simone Lawrence to take Zach Kalaros out in the first game of the season, but mm -hmm. uh, they put the talent around Cody Fajardo and really took off to first place in the West. And now, of course, another coach you guys are familiar with is Jason Moss comes in. And that was the mm -hmm. one big blemish last year was the offense and some of the play calling that didn't really match with Cody Fajardo. And they're hoping that Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo are a perfect match. Cody Fajardo has much of the same uh, talent and I guess you could say natural ability as Mike Riley has. He's tough, yeah. tough, tough tough kid too like Mike Riley so if they can put up some of those numbers uh, the riders are hoping for more first place finishes in the west and we know how good Jason Moss is at working with quarterbacks I mean Henry Burris 
in 2015 was the most most outstanding player in the league. We know what he did with Mike Riley. Uh, I, I don't think it meshed as well with Trevor Harris, not that it was a bad relationship, but I think Trevor Harris just did what he did. And I think by the end of the year, I think, and, and the injury didn't help either, but I think, you know, Moss and Harris always had a, a really good understanding of each other, but just, you know, I think it took some time for Jason to kind of tailor an offense that would really fit Trevor, even though Trevor had an amazing nine games, nine, 10 games before he got injured. What What's the one area you see Jason Moss when he work when he finally gets to work with Cody Fajardo that he can really raise the level like which area in Cody's game do you think that he can really improve well I think with with Cody Fajardo what they are going to look for is a lot more aggressive play calling uh Stephen McAdoo was pretty passive he liked to run the ball and dink and dunk and things like that but with Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore if they resign which I'm assuming many of the free agents will with their own teams. Uh, mm. they, they can have a big play explosive offense. And I, I think that is the area where they're looking at Jason Moss to get a little more explosive, to be a little more aggressive on offense. And Cody Fajardo to maybe take over a game here and there, uh, especially in that West Final. And I know Cody was injured. There were times where it was okay. Cody Fajardo, I remember the mic'd up show, the half an hour special they did. There was a point where Cody Fajardo ran to the sidelines and he was mic'd up saying, I hate that play call. Like there was clearly a disconnect between some of the things Cody Fajardo was comfortable running and Stephen McAdoo was just kind of forcing the issue on wanting to Cody Fajardo to run the offense as he thought would be best. So I think they're hoping for a little bit better mesh of two personalities, and I think they'll mesh well. Uh, Jason Moss can be a little more aggressive, and I think that's what Cody Fajardo wants too. Uh, He has kind of that gunslinger mentality in him, but it's got to be careful because too many turnovers, and you start to think, okay, are they being a little too aggressive? Yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. Jamie and I joining us from – the uh, Green Zone, the host of the Green Zone from CJME Radio in Regina here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. So the moratorium's been lifted. Uh, last Monday it was officially lifted. Uh, teams can re-sign their own free agents. It's been slow for some teams. It's been a little bit quicker for other teams to re-sign players. It's just, it's, it, it's just kind of a – it's exciting that now we're getting football – news that we're getting signings but it's definitely uh, a pullback kind of year because of covid it, it does seem to me i don't know how you feel about it but 2021 seems like a get through year to get to 2022 where where things might be a bit back to normal yeah it, that's what it feels like it feels like 2021 will be the well we need to play you know, just to get back in living rooms again and hopefully at some point get people back in their season tickets uh, at Commonwealth Stadium or Mosaic Stadium or wherever else. So that that's what it feels like to me too. And I think some of the teams are slow. I think the riders have been slow because uh, you look at their free agents and there's a lot of Solomon Elamimian and Charleston Hughes and Shaq Evans who got, got a raise and Kyron Moore and William Powell. There are some probably higher-priced Americans who are used to a certain salary structure, and Jeremy O'Day was open yesterday to the media that he is asking players and has to to take pay cuts. We saw Vernon Adams, the report uh, was that he took about a $40,000 haircut on his salary to play in 2021 with an extension and a restructuring. So I think 
those uncomfortable conversations have to be had, but they're reality uh, without having a season last year on. Yeah, there's some players who might have to take a few grand pay cuts, and that'll be a little harder to negotiate than maybe some of the guys who are coming in on rookie deals. Jamie, as always, good to have you on the show, man. Anytime uh, that we get a chance to talk to you, and it's usually Reed that does, it's always very entertaining, and uh, we appreciate it again. And thanks for the little trip down memory lane and uh, rubbing the uh, Milt Stego play in the uh, faces of uh, Edmonton football team fans. So, you know. It it wasn't wasn't so much that it was a play (laughs) against Edmonton. It was just so memorable of Halsey screaming in my headset on the sidelines, Stego's gone! Stego's gone! Uh, It was... But, man, was that a quiet stadium for about, whew, uh, until I left about an hour after the game ended. <laughs> that was a quiet, quiet stadium. If there was one game where, uh, you know, uh, as, you, as you know, when, you're, when the team loses, you usually have a better post-game show. And that night was a good post-game show. But, man, when you're the guy that has to take the angry calls, it's, it's tough. And you've been in that position many times. So, uh, you know, after rider games. But, uh, hey, it's a thrill ride. It's fun. So, hey, you, oh, you, you, uh, you I, yeah. That 0-9 season start with Corey Chamberlain, that was oh, a God. heck of a post-game show after that loss in Ottawa when they went 0-9. My goodness. That was something <laughs> else. <laughs> All the best, you my friend. Merry Christmas, great family. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, right on. Merry Christmas, Dave, uh, to you and yours as well. That's Jamie and I from CJME Radio in Regina. Toronto Raptor fans were uh, heartbroken today of uh, the news of uh, that Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, ah, Kellen, that's a name I just cannot say. Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. There you go. We're just going to say Giannis from now on. Uh, he's staying put with the Milwaukee Bucks for at least five more seasons, as uh, he signs a reported deal, five-year contract worth two hundred twenty-eight million dollars. It is a record contract. And the Raptors were hoping Giannis would join them in about a year. Uh, the Raptors say they will allow uh, 3,800 uh, fans for regular season games. Uh, no floor seats available. Seating will be physically distanced. Fans over the age of two must wear a mask. Fans must complete a health survey screening upon entry. There will be cashless payments for parking and food and beverage services. Uh, there will also be enhanced surface and air disinfection systems in place. So that is very, very cool to see. Fans in the stands have been something that we have missed in uh, the sporting world. It's happened a little bit in the NFL and Major League Baseball, the World Series, but uh, hopefully we get to see more of it as 2021 gets longer. Chuba Hubbard of Sherwood Park, uh, the great running back for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Well, he's done his NCAA career. He's moving on to the NFL. Find out more about that in a moment. of 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins on this Tuesday evening. The WHL, uh, they will not be starting on January the 8th. They will hold a meeting 
Board of Governors meeting in early January to decide when the next uh, possible dates are. They said they're going to have a bunch of scenarios that they'll lay out there for uh, pop dates. And obviously with the uh, COVID surges and the restrictions in four provinces and two states, it uh, the WHL expands or is spans a lot of territory that uh, they just can't make it work right now. So hopefully they'll be able to get it going maybe in, uh, well, February, but there's there's probably, and they haven't said, uh, it's going to be uh, tough to get a, a good amount of games in. The Ontario Hockey League is going to look at playing 40. The Q, uh, the Quebec League, uh, the Quebec uh, portion of the, I should have mentioned this earlier, the Quebec portion of the of the league is shut down. The Maritime portion of the league is still playing. I didn't mention that, but the Quebec League cannot get going. And the NHL, we just continue to wait. Uh, football has been going strong as far as the NFL is concerned. And um, NCAA as well, although they've had uh, they've had their issues with COVID as well. But uh, we know about the story of Chuba Hubbard, Sherwood Park's own Chuba Hubbard, who uh, we've had on this show a few times. And uh, he is now NFL bound. And to talk about that and uh, a little bit more on Chuba is uh, Frank Bonner, who is the uh, beat writer for Oklahoma State Athletics for Tulsa World. Frank, uh, welcome to uh, 630 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you guys for, for for reaching out and having me on. You betcha. So tell me, uh, where are you located and just how things are going uh, for uh, everyone in your uh, community uh, trying to battle this this COVID-19 virus? Yeah, so I'm um, out here in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been out here for uh, about a year and a half now, uh, originally from Indiana. And, you know, it's 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 going and as you know, as far as the virus goes, we are, um, you know, staying home as much as possible, going out to grocery stores to get food and, 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 you know, do essential errands. And that's, that's about it. Uh, you know, there still are some people who, you know, may not necessarily be, you know, wearing masks properly and everything like that, but, you know, yeah. uh, at least in my community or whatever, you know, at least it seems like for the most part, people are trying to, trying to abide by, you know, all of that. And as far as getting games in, uh, I don't think Oklahoma State's missed a game this year, right? Am I correct? No. Yeah, they have not. They had um, they had two postponements uh, that weren't, you know, on the fault of them. You know, uh, Tulsa needed to postpone, uh, and then Baylor needed to postpone, which they ended up getting in, you know, just last week. So, uh, yeah, Oklahoma State, in terms of uh, COVID, they've handled it, you know, as well as you could, I think. Yeah, that's good. That's really good to hear. Uh, so let's talk about Chuba Hubbard. Before we talk about the decision to shut his season down and uh, and not play for the Cowboys anymore and head to the NFL, uh, what's your impression of this young man from Sherwood Park, Alberta, Canada? Well, I think he, I think you know he he's a young man who's who's comfortable and and confident in who he is and, and what he believes in and and um you know how he approaches you know, whatever it is he's doing, you know, I think he puts his heart into to his craft on the football field. And I think he puts, uh, you know, that same level of effort into, to, uh, you know, certain things that are important to him, whether it be his family, certain social issues. And so I think he's, you know, he's a young man who obviously knows he has exceptional talent on the football field, but wants to, to create an impact, you know, a little beyond that. And I think we've seen that uh, in this last, you know, these last few months with him. 
Yeah, no question. And I'll get to that in, in a moment here, uh, when especially when it relates to his head coach. But the, the decision for him to shut down his NCAA career, and it, it hasn't been the type of year that we saw last year where he just was a dominant running back, leading the nation in uh, rushing yards, a, a conference running back of the year, was uh, in the Heisman Trophy talk for a bit. Um, and this year has been kind of a tough year, although you look at his numbers, uh, Frank, and it's not that he's, he's had terrible numbers. I think he's averaging just over five yards a carry. Um, so he's been effective, but uh, injury troubles have, hasn't helped him either. Uh, but but tell me about the decision for Chuba just to say, you know what, I'm just going to end my career in NCAA and I'm going to focus on my NFL career. Yeah, I think it was the right decision, uh, especially with, you know, everything that, that he has on the line, you know, in terms of his, his NFL status. Well, you know, Gundy had said in, in November that he had been battling an ankle injury. And if you're a running back who's battling an ankle injury, you know, that, that can affect you a lot when you're out in the field. And the season hasn't gone how it was supposed to for Chuba individually, but also for the team. You know, they came into this year having, you know, conference championship aspirations and, and hoping for a chance to compete for a national championship. And none of that played out. And so if you're Chuba Hubbard, you're already dealing with an ankle injury. You know, the last time we did see him was in Bedlam, and he only had a handful of carries in that game, and he only rushed for six yards before, you know, for six carries uh, the game before that. I think it was just safe to go ahead and shut it down if you aren't 100% healthy. If you're not, you know, if, if you're not all the way healthy, there's no reason for you to play. Yeah, uh, that is a good point. Now, I want to go back to the social issues, and and he is obviously very, very involved in that, and, and the game of football is important to him, but it's not the only thing. Um, he spoke out against his own coach in the summer when uh, Mike Gundy, and if people don't know who Mike Gundy is, all I have to say to you is, uh, I'm a man, I'm 40, talk to me. Uh, just go YouTube it. It's epic. It's, it's like the best one minute you could ever see on, on YouTube. One of the best things ever. So that's Mike Gundy. But Mike Gundy was uh, pictured uh, wearing a shirt of a very uh, right-wing, very extreme right-wing um, media outlet. And Chuba Hubbard came out and said, um, I'm not, basically, I'm not cool with that. I'm not going to play. And then later, Mike Gundy is seen with Chuba in a video saying, uh, I don't, uh Gundy basically kind of walked it back and said, "We're gonna we're gonna do things and make things better." And and Chuba Hubbard apologized for taking the stance he took, but then he took to Twitter and said, not the stance he took, but maybe how he did it, and said, "You know, we're still gonna get this right and pursue this." I'm wondering, and I'm running a risk here, Frank, as the talk show host, with a theory that I'm gonna put out there um, that I might get shot down here, but uh, with my theory. But was there any sort of uh, ripple effect from that moment? any sort of uh, friction between the two from that moment that affected maybe things in, in, in the season? You know, it's, I guess you never really know one way or the other. Um, but from what I got from, you know, you know, the coaching staff when they were asked about things and from the players is that, you know, what, what they're putting out there is that that actually made them closer as a, as a program, Okay. Um, you know, uh, players have said that the relationship between coaches and, and, and players had become better since then and so on. And so I, I do acknowledge the fact that, you know, that is what they're saying. Um, 
and there could have been some friction behind the scenes, you know, that we may not know about, but I don't, I don't have any knowledge to, to know that, you know what okay. I mean? Like, that's just one of those things that it's like, unless you're that, unless you're like in that program or you, you know, somebody said something, you don't necessarily really know for sure, but everything that they've put out has been that that's helped the program for the better is what the team is putting out there in terms of the players yeah. and coaches respond. But I do think there, well, you I, know, yeah. it's not wrong to think that there's something to that. Okay. So might be something, but it's, you know, you're going to have to kind of dig for that. Right. Cause it's not, totally out in the open right or just clearly obvious but i'm just wondering too because the way chuba was used this year in watching the games that i uh, was able to watch and i I try to watch as many as i could it just didn't seem that and and, and then the injuries factor into it but it just seemed that his skill set wasn't used to the ability of of what we saw last year that made him such a dominant running back it just seemed like he was lack of a better term put in a box a little bit yeah, but I think I think e- even if there was friction, um, you know, let's say hypothetically there was, I'm not sure if Gundy would not put him on the field because I mean at this point, you know, you know, Gundy wants to to get to a Big Twelve championship. I think if if Hubbard was healthy, Hubbard would would have been playing in in the way that we thought he would have been playing. I don't I don't I don't think Gundy. Would have been that upset and and how things were handled to where he wouldn't put his best player on the field to help him win a football game, uh, because yeah, I do okay. think your best chance of winning a game is with Chuba Hubbard on the field. Now whether you have some underlining friction about that or not, um, you know that may play out in in you know in practice or whatever the case may be. But I think whether there was friction or not, if Hubbard was healthy, I do think Hubbard would have played. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that totally makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you cleared that up uh, uh, for us here tonight. It's Frank Bonner joins us, uh, beat writer for Oklahoma State Athletics for Tulsa World here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, another funny point about Gundy, it's kind of not funny. When you wear your mask, you're supposed to wear it over your nose. And I don't know how many times I've seen the camera on and then it's, it's down at his chin. So I'm like, Gundy, put it over your nose, man. It's just like you're not wearing it. So <laughs> I do think about that too, but. <laughs> anyway yeah the, the thing about the yeah like the the, the mask wearing and, and, and trying to coach a football or basketball game that that is a you know i, I do pay attention um and, and not with gunny just in, in in general like you know how um like you see it in the nba with players sitting on the bench uh and they have their mask on and they take it off to get in the game or some may have it yeah. halfway on that is interesting to kind of see that like how how does that play out you know, while you're competing, like, do you, does it make sense to wear a mask on the bench? If all you're going to do is take it off when you get in the game anyway, like those kind of things are just so like, I, you know, <laughs> I have no idea how that stuff plays <laughs> out. Uh, yeah. We'll move on from that now, but yeah, that's always something I say, Gundy, put it, put it over your nose. Come on now. But yeah, I do understand the communication aspect. Just there. Obviously the NCAA is not as strict as the NFL who, you know, they've been really strict about this with mask wearing on the sidelines. But uh, anyway, I digress. When it comes to the NFL draft, where do you think Chuba Hubbard might factor in uh, as, as where he might get picked, which round, that sort of thing? Man, you know, uh, the thing about running backs is you never know how far, like, the running back as a group is going to go or whatever. 
But mm-hmm. in terms of his stock in in terms of running back stake, I I think Hubbard would be, um, you know, upper middle of the pack in running backs. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think he's gonna go. Uh, you know, maybe like top two or top three running back. But I think you know he'll be in that that class after that top three. I think. All right, as we uh, and we really appreciate your time, Frank. This is uh, a lot of great info and, and insight here on Chuba. Uh, we have a, a, a player that used to play for the Edmonton football team up here in the CFL, who in fact lives now uh, in Edmonton full time. He's married with a couple of kids. Uh, great, great fellow, former receiver for Oklahoma State uh, uh, University. I don't know if the name of Darius Bowman. It comes up down there still, but uh, he is uh, a big time alumni there, and he was named the uh, uh, one of the best receivers of the decade uh, in the Canadian Football League. So I don't know if AD's name comes up there, but uh, he's he's a proud member of uh, Oklahoma State football. Yeah, actually, his um, he holds the record uh, for most receiving yards in a game for OSU, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and his. His name actually came up uh, in this last Baylor game because of what Dylan Stoner did. I mean, uh, Dylan Stoner um, caught 247 uh, receiving yards, and he's only second to James. He's behind James Washington, who's second, and then Bowman is is first in that category. So Bowman Bowman actually came yeah. up pretty recently in this this last Baylor game because of Dylan Stoner was you know knocking on the door a little bit there. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, he talks about his time in Oklahoma very glowingly, and uh, he actually supported Chuba big time, and he's been a big supporter of uh, of him. And they've uh, actually, we had Chuba on our show when he got recruited uh, by Oklahoma State, and Darius called in to to uh, give him encouragement and support him. And they've been uh, they've been uh, talking to each other uh, from time to time ever since. So yeah, that's great. Uh, AD is a tremendous individual and a great player. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that his name is still uh, prominent down there. Well, Frank, this was this was awesome. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I wish you well. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Okay. I uh, appreciate it. Same to you. That's Frank Bonner, Oklahoma State beat writer for Tulsa World, with a little insight on Sherwood Park's Truba Hubbard, the running back who had a tremendous season last year, best running back in the nation yardage-wise, best running back in the conference, and uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate as well uh, for a time. Didn't make the final cut, but was in the conversation, has uh, declared for the NFL draft, so he is no longer an NCAA player. So, uh, yeah, great insight there. And uh, there's another player I didn't bring up. Um, it's a long name, Kellen. Uh, Amen Og Bong Bamiga. Okay. And his yeah, brother. I, I remember. Bro- remember him? Okay. His brother Alex used to play mm. for the uh, for the Edmonton football team. Yes. Yeah. That was what so, uh, six, seven seasons ago, something like that, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the the story is uh, the story that Morley Scott, my uh, broadcast uh, partner on Edmonton football team, broadcast here on six thirty. Chad, he always tells the story that. Uh, when he types in Og Bong Bamiga into his phone, it auto it autocorrects to toboggan. Ah, that's outstanding. That's why you turn autocorrect off. <laughs> <laughs> There's an option to do that. Yes, yeah. Just go into settings. I should do that. Off. Yep. I should do that as well because that annoys me. No, this is the actual word I want. Okay, seventh time in, I want to throw my phone, but you, I should or, actually just turn it off. Or you throw a tweet out there and where you have 
the, the word explained a sentence, it's just like becomes like frog or basketball <laughs> or something. And it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But anyway, it's not what I'm saying. Of course, there's no edit button. I always wanted a an edit button on Twitter, but then Donald Trump came along as president. And I'm like, no, we don't need the edit button. We don't need it. Anyway, 749 to the moment. And hopefully we are talking about a training camp in about uh, three weeks' time for the Edmonton Oilers and the rest of the NHL. Well, if you thought the Fox puck with the comet in behind it, the little tail was weird, well, the NFL will give a kid-friendly treatment to a wild-card game when it airs on Nickelodeon next month. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? It will be an NFL game with SpongeBob running out of the tunnel and players being covered in digital slime after touchdowns. Three wild-card games will air January 10th, and Nickelodeon will simulcast the middle game for families with kids. Noah Eagle and Nate Burleson will do play-by-play, joined by Gabrielle Nevea Green, of the Nick show All That. Her co-star, Lex Lumpkin, will report from the field. The usual game broadcast will run on CBS. I'm Archie Zaraleta. Oh. Dave, you're a father. Yes. Who are these people? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think SpongeBob would be my first choice either <laughs> to show my kids. Can you imagine them in a in a truck having different features? Like, say they overdubbed the ref's mic with uh, SpongeBob's mic. You know, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> oh my god! Offside and Seattle. Ah! You know, and after a touchdown, crazy. they should if whoever gets slime, they should uh, they should put in the, the line from Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. I've been slimed. Yes. That happened very early. Uh, the World Junior Hockey Championships, of course, will take place here in Edmonton in the bubble by Rogers Place, in Rogers Place. T- uh, ten teams in two hotels. And it'll start Christmas Day, run till January the 5th. Everyone is in their quarantine period. Be- exhibition games will begin 20 to 20, 20th to 23rd. Uh, Canada opens up against Germany on Boxing Day. Dylan Holloway, Oilers first-round draft pick from this year, talked about uh, his, his role. I'm not. I'm not sure what exactly uh, the lines are, but I think with my line with uh, Newhook and Peltier, we played together at camp, and I think they're going to keep us together for the first part of the tournament. Or uh, so I think we're going to be kind of like a shutdown line, potentially going up against uh, like top lines on other teams, and then I'll also be a penalty killer for Team Canada. So Holloway actually had to go undergo two quarantines. First, when he arrived, because he came from the states, uh, where he's playing from the, in the NCAA with Wisconsin, and two other players also coming from the NCAA had to quarantine. And then he was caught in the middle of the a uh, little bit of the outbreak that caused the team to go into a 14-day quarantine. So and now he's in another quarantine. Uh, but he talks about what he thinks he's proven to the coaching staff in the brass. It definitely plays a little bit of a part in your mind when you're quarantined for 14 days. You know, uh, you wish you had that time to be able to go on the ice and show them what you what you can do. Um, but I think with Hockey Canada, their, their scouting staff go uh, to a lot of measures to see everybody play. So I think they're pretty comfortable with everybody and what everybody can bring to the table before going into camp. Um, so I think uh, that's what they had to rely on. And um, But yeah, d- definitely 14 days is kind of a long time and you kind of worry about that a little bit, but I'm just happy that I made the team. 
So just a few more days for all the teams to uh, complete this quarantine before they can resume preparations for the upcoming World Junior Hockey Championships here in Edmonton. WHL delaying their start will not start January 8th or 2021, a 2020-2021 season. Don't know when it will start. We'll have a Board of Governors meeting in early January. NHL discussing whether they will use hubs to start the season or maybe not. Studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. My name is Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins this week. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.